When was the last time you realized you were really, really stuck? I was thinking about that, uh, 2023, when was the last time I've been really, really stuck? Actually stuck was when um, we were in Israel and I was baptizing people in the Jordan River and you basically had these white sheets on you and I had just had shoulder surgery, so Lisa was helping me do these baptisms. And once we got out, uh, we went back to the um, changing rooms, and I went into a stall, and I basically took the uh, sheet, pulled it up to my head, and then because I had shoulder surgery, I was stuck like this. And uh, the problem was half of these people speak English, the other half speak Hebrew. So I'm walking around in my underwear with my whole hands like this, walking around trying to communicate people in English. I'm stuck. Can you help me? That was the last time I was stuck physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Those things are really harder to grasp. We're finishing a series today called All I Want for Christmas is, and we've been talking about things that God wants to give us that we basically don't have on our list. First week we talked about contentment. Last week we talked about freedom from anxiety. If you suffer with with any kind of mental health things, I really want to encourage you to go watch that. Today I want to talk about something you may not have ever heard of, the gift of divine dissatisfaction. I'm praying that you have an encounter with God over the next few days where he shakes you up and moves you out of your comfort zone in every area of your life, physically, spiritually, in your family, your job, your finances, and your friendships. There's this uh, process that I go through um, monthly and annually where I review the year. And I, 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 these things are not original with me. But the first thing that I do, and I want you to grab your phone, and I want you to take a picture of this, because one of the things I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to um, mark out some time this week or next week, either early in the morning, late or night. I want you to get away for a couple hours. Those of you who have small kids and you're like, I can't make time, you need especially to make time for this. The first thing that I do, and again, this is not new with me, is I do a positive and negative experience audit. In other words, I go back week to week through my calendar of the year, and I make two columns. One column is positive, one column is negative. And I go through every week the people, the activities, and the commitments that I had. And if it was a positive experience, it goes in a positive column. If it was a negative experience, it goes in a negative column. And I go all the way through the year and I have this whole list. And then the top 20% of the positive, I say these are the big things. I need to do more of this. What do you need to do more of um, in 2024? St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is a, first, is a person fully alive. And so often we get stuck in ruts where we're constantly giving, 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 giving to other people and we're not filling ourselves up. Now in the negative column, you take the top 20% and you create a do not do list. Do you have one of those lists? Here are the things I will not do 
here are the people I will not be around. I'm going to encourage you to make one of these lists. Um, you know, there are people that you just don't want to be around. So you need to love them, but you love them from a distance, right? You love them from a distance. You're going to love everybody, but it's okay to love people from a distance. I also have 10 questions, and I want you to think about these 10 questions to refocus your life in a lot of different categories of your life. Some of you are mothers. Some of you are wives. Uh, some of you are dating someone. You're, a, you're someone at work. And these questions that I go through, I actually really stimulate a lot of thought. First question is, um, what, is the sing what is my single greatest strength? What is your single greatest strength as someone at, at work, your personality, or as a dad, or a mom, as a man, as a woman? What three decisions are causing you the greatest stress? What's overwhelming you? What impossible roadblock has me stuck? If I could only do three things before I die, what would I want to do? What should I resign or drop out of? You need to be thinking about that constantly because we overcommit to things. What can I postpone? What things on my to-do list can someone else do at least 80% as well? What are the elephants on my schedule? And what are the three things I could do in the next 90 days to make a 50% difference? Why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because God has been kicking my butt lately with holy dissatisfaction, not just for me, but for you as well. Lean over to the person next to you and tell them how much time you think they have left on this earth. Go. How many years? How many years do they have? How many years do you have? James, James, Jesus' brother said, we are but a mist, we're here for a moment, and then we're gone. With few exceptions, every person in this room is going to be gone in 60 years. So why are we doing things and committing to things and staying stuck in things that we know we should get out of? One of the things that God has really been speaking to me about is the difference between escaping and genuinely resting. Um, is, is scrolling on your phone something that gives you rest or is it something that is an escape? I always, I always think it's as a rest, but then I'll scroll and I realize, oh, I'm not rested at all. The difference between escaping and genuinely resting is that when you're done with that activity, you actually feel rested. Binging on Netflix, escaping or resting, all right? Going for a walk, spending time having honest, difficult conversation with family members. That's definitely not an escape. Will it give you rest? Yeah, long term. How about lean to the person next to you and say, if you're going to go off your eating plan, you're going to do it for this. What is it? Is it pizza? Is it chocolate? I'm going to tell you something. Sometime in the next two weeks, you need to go to Wegmans and you need to get something that you shouldn't. It's called Grater's Double Chocolate Chip Ice Cream. 
God, God is gonna give you that gift. Listen, I have, through all of this process, I've set a few goals for 2024. I'm still working on goals. But one goal that I've set for me, this is me leading you and serving you. I wanna lead all of us to bring 300 new friends to church to pursue Jesus with us. And that's because our mission as disciples of Jesus is to go and share the gospel with people. As an introvert, it's the hardest thing for me to do. It's the hardest thing for me to do. But being an introvert is not an excuse for not being a disciple. So what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be talking a lot in 2024 about getting out of our comfort zone and rubbing shoulders in our own natural way but rubbing shoulders with people that are far from God and bringing them into our community. So I have um, some personal goals that have to do with a book, fitness goals, financial goals, and a marriage goal. But I wanna tell you about a day when Jesus looked at his disciples and he realized these people need the gift of divine dissatisfaction. He looked at them and he realized they were too stagnant, they were stuck, They've reached a ceiling, they were settling, they, were stopped, they stopped taking risks, and they were giving in to their fears. And that day happened immediately after Jesus fed the 5,000. He went up to a mountain, he sent his disciples out to cross the Sea of Galilee in the middle of it, and then this happened. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. It's like, you go ahead in the boat, I'm gonna go up by myself to pray. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. We know what that mountainside is. It is Mount Arbel in the Sea of Galilee. This is Mount Arbel. And here is a video to show you exactly where Jesus was and what he was looking down on. So if you can hit this. I'm at the top of Mount Arbel right now. See this boat? Over here is where the disciples would have been. Over here on this side would have been where he fed the 5,000. And in this immediate area, drownings happen once a year. It is a place where the wind whips down, whips up the water. It looks like it's great, but it's not. And it's in this place where the disciples got hit with a windstorm. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter, we all know the story, right? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, come on, let's walk together. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked onto the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and said, bro, at least you're willing to get out of the boat. Way to go. Way to go, you did it. That's not what he said. He said, you have little faith. Why are you staying so close to this boat? 
There are two phases to our spiritual lives that we see in this story. The first is when we are stuck. What areas of your life right now are you stuck? You just have accepted this is what it is. I am what I am, and I'm not going to change. This is it. It says in verse 24, the boat was a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And at first glance, we don't realize how desperate the disciples were. Considerable distance. Underline this in your Bibles. In the original Greek, it meant it was right there in the middle. Buffeted by the waves. That word buffeted in the original Greek is the word for torture. In other words, they're in the middle of the lake, board by board is being ripped from the boat. And then finally it says, it was the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night, the Romans broke up the evening in four watches where guards would go and stand guard. If you got the first watch, it was six to 9 p.m. The second watch was nine to 12. The third watch, was from 12 to 3, and the worst watch of all, you'd have to get up there at 3 in the morning and be awake until 6, and it was during this watch at 3 in the morning, and when it was dark, everything was pitch black. No one was around, and they were going to drown. Now, some of you are feeling lethargic, blasé, sort of content. And God is calling you to get out of that rut. And I want you to notice that one of Satan's strategies is to make us think that our biggest problem is motivation when our biggest problem is really clarity. If you're like, I don't know, man, I just can't seem to get motivated to, let's say, join a group here at CCV. And you're like, I'm just, I hear they talk about it all the time. I know it's good for me and that sort of thing. I just can't motivate myself. And then to you identify what are the actual reasons and the benefits that I would get from joining a group. And when you have that clarity, then the motivation comes. Until you understand something, you're not gonna be motivated. You look at things and you don't know where to start. Some of you are just overwhelmed with stuff and you're just like sitting and you're waiting for your life to start. At some point, then I'm actually going to do that thing. And what you need to do is like, Jesus, you need to go up on that mountain and don't come back until you've heard from God. Because you know why? Lean to the person next to you and say, you got 60 years and then you're in a box. 60 years and you're done. Three more generations and no one will be alive that will remember you even existed on this planet. Other people, other people, it's not that they can't get going, it's this they have way too many things going on in their lives. Is that you? Maybe, maybe you know, your problem isn't starting, your problem is stopping. Another of Satan's strategies is to convince us that God wants us to be okay and pretty good at a lot of things rather than powerful and anointed in a few things. Part of the holy dissatisfaction I'm praying for you is, is that you put the brakes on and you take time and you reevaluate things. 
You pick the few things that you can do with excellence that will make the greatest impact in your life and for God's glory. All right, the second, the first phase is we get stuck, but the good news is, is the second phase is that Jesus is calling us to move out of these boats. Jesus is always calling us out of the boat that we're in. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they, they were terrified, it's a ghost. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, come on, come. So many times we read that we're like, don't pick on Peter, there were 12 other people in the boat that night. At least he had the guts to get out and walk on water. And every person in this room has boats in their lives and those boats represent safety and security apart from God. Everyone has their boat, what's yours? For some of you, it's your job. Like, it's a good job, but you just don't like it. I have this theory that, that the age of 40, it starts at 35, but at the age of 40, this is the danger zone for a human being that between the between the years of 35 and 40, this is a decision whether or not they're gonna allow the cement to harden their feet. They're making a decision that, I, I don't care, I hate this place, I don't care. I, I've, I've told this story a bazillion times. A friend of mine, Ray, we're at a men's conference. We're walking out. It was a couple amazing days. We're all walking out as a group of men to go back to the cars. He grabs me so that I would walk behind with him. And he says, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, what is it? He says, it's about my job. I'm quitting my job. I'm like, what do you mean you're quitting your job? He said, I'm quitting my job. I hate my job. And I'm thinking, you're the wealthiest guy I know. High-level executive at GM. You're the wealthiest guy I know. You're set. I said, why do you want to quit your job? He said, every time I go into this place, I become smaller and smaller. I get, I, my soul is shriveling in this place. And I said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to build decks. I said, what? You what? I didn't, I thought, you want to build, he said, decks, decks, yes, decks. And houses. I was like, you want to build decks? And I'm thinking to myself, are you an idiot? Just hang in there another 25 years, man. If you hang in there another 25 years, you're going to have so much money for the remaining 10 years of your life. You tell, that, you tell yourself that story, right? I said, Ray, you want to build decks? Yeah. And you need to go build decks. God was speaking to you this weekend. You need to go and build decks. And I'm telling there are some of you here, someone needs to lean over and say, within 60 years, probably within 40, maybe 30 or 25, you're in a box and we're eating potato salad out there in the foyer. For some of you, your job is your boat. And it's really comfortable in there because... I have these benefits, and I have a mortgage. It just is. For some people, their boat is a relationship. For those of you who are single, you will say, it's better to be with the wrong person on a Friday night than to be lonely on a Friday night. 
And you keep telling yourself, but deep down, you know that's a boat you're stuck in. Some of you are in a relationship right now. You're in a marriage, and you're stuck in that boat. And I'm not telling you to get out of the marriage. What I'm telling you is to get out of that rut and to actually be honest with yourself. There are so many amazing, attractive successful people. Lean over the person next to you and say, you look amazing. You do. You look amazing. But I know what it's like because I have been there before early in our marriage is I looked like a spiritual person. I looked like a Christian. But my marriage was crap because I was stuck in this boat, and I didn't have the guts to say, I need help. I need to talk to someone. We need to work this out. So my, ask, my question for you is, for those of you who are in relationships, is 2024 just going to be a warmed up, bad version of 2023? Like, at what point are you going to say, we're not doing this anymore? Now, I'm not talking about those of you who are in an abusive relationship. You need to get out of that boat and drown that guy on the way out. For some of you, it's finances. Debt is a really comfortable boat to be in because you feel like there's no way out. For some of you, it's your health. And you're like, I've tried, I've yo-yoed, blah, 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 blah. For some of you, your mental health. Listen, I, I, can, I can attest to you, I have been there. Depression is a very comfortable boat to live in. The expectations are gone. The motivation is gone. You accept mediocrity and you just move on. A lot of people, when they talk about their lives, let's say I'm going through the dark night of the soul. What they don't realize is where that phrase comes from. Dark night of the soul was a phrase coined by a monk, St. John of the Cross in the medieval ages, St. John was a part of a monastery. He wanted to change it, but they wouldn't, and he wouldn't shut up. So they took John, and they shoved him into a bathroom where he stayed for eight months. They would bring him out at lunchtime and beat him in front of the other monks. He never bathed. He had the same clothes on that began to rot on his body, and he began singing in this cell love songs to God. And the guards began slipping him pieces of paper, and he would write them down. Later on, after he died, they pulled all of these together in, what a, in a book that is now called The Dark Night of the Soul. The boat is the dark night of the soul, of your own choosing. You choose to stay in the dark night. My question to you is, do you understand that the main issue is not get out or not, the main issue is grow or die? Is 2024 simply going to be a less effective version of 2023? Mary Oliver says, tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious night. 
So the one thing I'm asking you to do is over the next couple weeks, I want you to take a morning or an evening, and I want you to pray a prayer of King David in the Psalms. God, search my heart. Search my thoughts. Search my motives. Lay bare my soul so I can see it. Be a mirror to me so I can see the areas of my life where I am accepting being stuck when you want me to move out of it. Because if you don't do this in the next couple weeks and you just slide right into the next year, you will catch the common cold of the soy, of the soul that Greg Lavoie calls it to sinful patterns of behavior that never get confronted and changed, abilities and gifts that never get cultivated and deployed until weeks become months and months turn into years. And one day you're looking back on a life of deep, intimate, gut-wrenching, honest conversations you never had. Great adventures that you only read about. Great bold prayers you never prayed exhilarating risks that you never took, sacrificial gifts you never offered, lives you never touched, and you're sitting in a recliner with a shriveled soul and forgotten dreams, and you realize there was a desperate world of need, and a great God calling you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. You see the person you could have become, but you did not, because you never followed your calling, you never got out of the boat. I'm praying that that will not be you. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you so much that you were constantly, constantly driving us to change. You want us to be like you. Never settled, but very content. God, we pray that in our hearts you would give us a gift of divine dissatisfaction. We pray that it would wake us up. We pray that we would be unable to sleep. We would be unable to continue because there's something you're calling us to address. There's a boat you're calling us to get out of. I pray for boldness and courage on the part of everyone here as we seek to do that moving into this next season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones' sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.